I'm Ben Carter, your life transformation coach, and I've been sent, called, and commissioned to help you live your very best life. Join me on Ben the Life Coach Radio Show. I can't wait to support your leap into victory. Hey, 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 welcome back. Welcome back to a brand new episode of Ben, the Life Coach Internet Radio Show. Yay! Woo woo! I'd like to welcome you back to season three, another episode. I hope that you've been catching up on the episodes. This is Ben Carter, your favorite life transformation coach. First of all, I want to invite you and extend an invitation to check out all of my goodies on Facebook. So you can find me on facebook.com, the Ben Carter coaching experience on Instagram at live LLC coaching. And of course, go to my website, www.livellccoaching.com. Tonight's show. Woo. I'm a little shook. I'm a little scared. I took notes when the questions came in. This show was called get coached. Everything you wanted to know. Dot, dot, dot. Every once in a while, I get people who timidly or low-key ask me about coaching. They're curious about it. They see me posting everywhere. They hear me talk, talking about speaking and using life coaching tools and motivational speaking as instruments to really support people's leap into victory. Supporting your leap into victory just really mean that you focus on why you were actually created. Sometimes I know that we wake up in the morning on accident, thinking that we only wake up to live a mundane, boring, uneventful life and do the same, go to work, watch our favorite television shows, pay bills, cry about being broke, have broken hearts, dysfunctional relationships, all of that BS, all of the things that society has supported in terms of dysfunction. And my responsibility, my calling, my commission on life is to make sure that we're focusing on the opposite side of what that is and checking in to identify what we're supposed to be doing. If we're supposed to be baking or catering or running our own business or writing books or acting or singing whatever that is you know what it is that small still voice that whispers to you my responsibility is to champion that voice and to make sure that it overrides all of the other stuff so people sometimes want to know what that's like do i just give a bunch of advice to be perfectly honest with you sometimes depending on the level and the nature of our coaching relationship it's at least six months six sessions and we have to have that rapport where you can ask me my advice and I still might be hesitant on giving you advice. I might tell you or show you an experience and allow you to take from that experience, but most people don't really listen to advice and coaching is really about creating a safe space for you to figure it out with my support. And it is a variation of a lot of things, empowering questions and really listening and sometimes understanding where you are before you understand where you are, but waiting for you to get there so we can go ahead and leap into victory together. And a lot of folks go, you know, what's the whole point? Why do I need that when I can do this on my own? And I go, 
we'll take a look around how many folks actually do it on their own. Sometimes I get asked, what's the hardest part of coaching? Career coaching is the most difficult thing for me to do because people typically come with a very professional attitude based on something that really becomes emotional. And it becomes emotional because it's financially attached. But you can't bring in all of those dimensions immediately because people think that it's just a professional thing. Here are my credentials. This is what I've done. I want to go from this level to that level. Can you help me? Can you look at my resume? Can you do my resume? Can we do mock interview questions? And they slowly, if they do, some do, some don't, start to realize that their behavior, their attitude, the way that they respond is based on something emotional, is based on the stories that they've been telling themselves about success. And they start to figure out that if I really want to graduate and elevate and go to the next level of success, does my definition of success have to graduate and elevate and also go to that next level? And if it does, what might be the block psychologically, emotionally, and without saying it, the financial thing is the, the big fat elephant in the room because a lot of folks are like, yeah, I want a job. I need a job. I need to be this in my career now because for some, even though I'm stable financially, I don't know how long I can afford to be out of work or in transition. So it's all of those dynamics where people really, when they come to me, I want you to get me a job. <laughs> That's what they're, that's what they are really saying a lot. And when I say a lot, I mean 90%. There are 10% who really do understand the dynamics and the interconnection of those dimensions and how they all play. But that is the most difficult one for me, the career coaching. So that's what we're going to do tonight. We are going to get coached. I'm going to use some coach tools to support you. I am going to use some life experiences. I'm a corporate educator, so I am some form of teacher and I will use some teaching skills to support and help answer your questions without giving answers, <laughs> meaning without giving what I think is right, because what I think is right might absolutely be wrong for you. And my opinion and my right doesn't always matter if it doesn't support where you need to be in order for you to verbally, mentally, psychologically, physically, emotionally profess what victory is to you. But in the meantime, I want you to sit back, relax, get a beverage, <laughs> get a beverage, and we'll take a quick break, and I'll see you right after this break. Listen, this is a segment of the show where I want to show my support, extend my support for local businesses, either businesses that I know uh, personally or on a professional level. The first business, the first brand that I want to support is called Zuzu's Lip Balm. You heard it right, Zuzu's Lip Balm. You can actually contact Zuzu's Lip Balm at Zuzu's, which is spelled Z-U-Z-U-S, Lip Balm at gmail.com that's zuzu's lip balm at gmail.com and place an order i think every parent out there should order their daughters um this particular product show your support 
This is an amazing product and I just wish that we would come together, go place orders for Christmas and for your girls' birthday parties. This is an amazing goodie bag gift. So please um, reach out to Zuzu's lip balm at gmail.com. You will not be disappointed. Another business I want to advertise uh, on a completely different scale is for all of your plumbing, all of your heating, all of your cooling needs, Hutch and Sun. Uh, if you're local to New Jersey, specifically Essex County, uh, Morris County, Union County, but um, Hutch and Sun goes all over the state. They are a homegrown local business that's been around for a long time. If you're looking to do business with a privately owned and managed heating and cooling uh, company without getting caught up in a big corporation, I would encourage you to email them, reach out to them. It's D as in do it well, <laughs> dhutch69 at verizon.net dhutch69 at verizon.net all of the businesses that i'm advertising they will be available on my facebook page so if you are interested which you should be go to my facebook page ben carter coaching experience get their contact information and let them know who told you to come see them you will not be disappointed hey welcome back from break listen I want to get right into these questions. I've broken 10 questions up into about three categories, relationship stuff, politics slash social stuff, and then business life purpose stuff. And the very first question, I have to read this to you, question statement is, my girlfriend is on a big sexual freedom kick. And whenever we go out, she is always talking about who she slept with. I don't know if you watch Insecure, but she is like Issa's BFF. She claims that she is being safe, but I just don't know how safe she can be because you can't put a condom on your brain. Okay. Ben, at what point does sexual freedom become hoeing? Okay. All righty. <laughs> All right. So I'm smiling and blushing and kind of laughing. The question is, Ben, at what point does sexual freedom become hoeing? So my first question is, how much of this is about you judging her for her choices? How much of this is you making her wrong for the choices that she's making? Another question that I have for you is, what's really bothering you about her choices what's what's triggering the ben what's the difference between sexual freedom and hoeing <laughs> right the question is what's the definition of sexual freedom versus hoeing for you right what does that mean for you what it sounds like i hear you say you saying is Ben, I'm really concerned for my friend. Though you put it in a very <laughs> comedic way that she can't put a condom on her brain. She can't protect the choices that she's making. So what I hear you questioning is not necessarily 
should she explore her sexual freedom is how is she going about doing that? How healthy is it is what I think I hear you saying. And the questions that I'm asking you would be, one, for yourself, define what sexual freedom versus hoeing mean for you and get clear about whether or not you're placing your definition of what sexual freedom versus hoeing mean on her. Then take it a next step once you've examined what it actually means to you, why it's bothering you. What the benefit might be, of course, is instead of listening to her talk about her sexual freedom and exploration when you guys are out, what would it be like if you just asked her where she's going with this? If she's willing to discuss her sexual freedom, she might be willing to extend the conversation so that you might be able to voice your concerns if you haven't already. You know, we're asking a question about what someone else is choosing to do with their body. I have no control over that. You have no control over that. What you can control is the way that you choose to look at her, the way that you choose to respond to what she's saying to you and the thoughts you allow yourself to have that might turn into judginess, not 100% sure if that's where you are. You sound concerned to me because if you weren't a friend that, was con that wasn't concerned, you wouldn't even ask the question. I think for you, you want to know what her boundaries are. And without clearly understanding if that's for sure what you want to know, what if you ask? What if you have a conversation? What if you get clear about your definition of sexual freedom versus hoeing? Because she might not be hoeing, you know? Uh, what she doing might be her freedom. So what's your hoe number? Your hoe number might be five. Hers might be 55, right? So we can't get into that because we're not responsible. We're not clear. We're not sure about what her hoe number is <laughs> before you know, sexual freedom turns into hold'em, right? <laughs> so get clear about your definition. Then have a conversation with your girl. She is clearly open to talking about stuff. So this might be something she's willing to talk about, right? Does that make sense? That makes sense to y'all? Yeah, okay. Cool. All right. So, hmm. Anyhow. <laughs> Moving along. So I've, I've got another question here, another relationship question that I want to take a look at. This one says, hi, Ben, I have a question for you, and I am very excited and nervous to hear your response. I would like your personal opinion on what it takes to create the perfect relationship. What the fuck? Okay. <laughs> I know you probably don't have a complete answer. I don't. But what is your take on the perfect relationship? Oh, precious thing asking me about my take on perfect relationship. First of all, my opinion, I don't think my opinion matters, but my opinion on the perfect relationship is that they don't exist. Perf perfection in any form does not exist in this earth, on this earth. What is perfect is attempting to achieve excellence, attempting to achieve an excellent relationship. So my question is, 
what is going to work well for you and the person that you decide to get into a relationship. What does, in your definition, a perfect relationship look like? The cliche might be open line of communication, which I might agree with, but what does that mean to you? Does open line of communication you know, allow you to express everything about yourself? What does that really mean? Perfect relationship wouldn't necessarily be a term that Benjamin would use. I would attempt to create an excellent relationship. What I would like for my relationship to look like is a safe space that supports my creativity and my insanity. (laughs) For real, for real. A safe space that supports my creativity and my insanity. A safe space that supports my spiritual growth and my absolute buffoonery. A safe space that will allow me to act a complete plum fool and stand strong and firm in the anointing that the Most High has placed in my life. A safe space for us to build together, but allow individual completion and wholeness. That's what it looks like to me. That's what I'm imagining. That's my perfect place. You know, everybody has a different definition of perfect. Perfect to you might be together you all make $750,000 a year. And that is the starting point of what perfection looks like. What I would invite you to do, what I would ask you to do is settle yourself in yourself. And just play around a little bit. Close your eyes and ask yourself, what works well for me? What would work well for my life? What would life look like if I was able to create, paint, design, and define perfection for myself? I appreciate that you ask my opinion, right? I I am going to assume that you have a little bit of respect for what I have to say. I respect what you have to say. I respect what works well for you. I respect that you are clear about what a perfect relationship looks like for you, right? I know some of you are like, damn, I wish you would have just said something else. Just gave the answer and really, mm -mm. and you know why? I feel like you can go to Google or to any bookstore and take any relationship book off the shelf and It can be the best written book in the entire world, the best top 15 things you should do to achieve the perfect relationship. If you're not clear about what your value system or your values are, if you're not clear about what you want and how you want to live and what five years into a relationship looks like for you, when the hard shit happens, like when parents start dying and kids start exploring in areas where you don't want them to and the bills are three times more than your annual income when that shit starts to happen excuse my french because that's what it is what does life look like for you in those moments will life look like what it felt like when you could afford to go to hawaii when you could 
afford to take a few weeks off work when you were not tired and you could have sex three to four times a week and you want it to be romantic and write poems. You've got to define all of that stuff, right? Once you're clear about it, you and your husband, wife, partner, come on over to my side of town and let's talk about defining what that looks like for you and what works well for you, right? So that's what we all should do. We all should play. We all should imagine. We all should be as vivid as we possibly can. Don't let me and or my opinion tell you what the perfect relationship is going to look like for you. You know, what's another way of you defining perfection, right? So that perfection doesn't set you up for a pitiful downfall. What's going to work well for you? I trust that you know. I trust that you will put that into action. And I wish you the best of luck. You know, I'll see you in 50 years when you're celebrating your your anniversary, right? So good questions, folks. Really, 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 really good questions. I, I'm wondering if we've got time for another one, right? Um, another relationship one. Do we, do we, do we, do we? I don't know. I've got a lot. I've got a long relationship one here. I'm looking on my phone which is a difficult one. So let's see how much time we have before we hit the break. I think we might be able to address this one real quick, this relationship question. You guys ready? I took notes on this one because this one was kind of a difficult one. This one is, I'm a young single mother. My boy boyfriend and I are broken up. I never wanted to raise my son on my own. I always wanted his dad to be in the same house. I never wanted to bounce him from my house to his father's house. I really did want a family unit, but my boyfriend and I couldn't work it out. Now I'm a single mom and I'm just upset that I have to raise this man alone by myself. And everybody keeps telling me that as long as I get support from him and his family, that my son will be all right. But I wanted more than him just being all right. I wanted my son to know what it was like to see his dad kiss me, hold doors for me, and just be in a relationship with me and him. I feel like I have failed my son and myself, and I really can't get past this feeling. I just need something to help me deal with this so that my feelings don't affect how I parent my son. Whoa. Breathe. Take a deep breath. That's a lot. So I hear you. I feel you. I appreciate you. I salute you. I commend you. I bow down to you for having such a strong value around that two parent in the same home structure. What I really love about what you're saying is that you want your son to see his father treat you like a woman. That's what I hear you saying when you say things like you want your son to see his dad hold doors for you and kiss you. You want your son to see the gentleness of a relationship and you want him, you want his father and yourself to model that for him. And I believe that's an amazing thing. 
and you say, and I highlighted this in my notes, I just need something to help me deal with this so that my feelings don't affect how I parent my son. I am going to do my best to assist you in working through your feelings, not going around them. I promise no answers. <laughs> if you don't mind me saying and speaking, I am a product of a single family home. My mom and dad separated after I had an opportunity to experience what it was like for my parents to be together. Some of that was very volatile and there were moments of gentleness. So I appreciate what you're saying in your statement. And the reason why I'm saying that to you and sharing a tiny bit about my story is because it sounds like when you express that, you have other people saying to you, as long as you're getting support, and I'm not 100% sure if support means the dad comes pick, come to pick the son up and you get financial support. I hear you saying that support is great, but based on what I wanted, it's not enough. And you are validated. It's okay for you to say that it's not enough. It's okay for you to say it's not enough. Your life, your statement, your design. What we will talk about is your life, your statement, and your design when we get back from this break. Get your pen and get your paper because when we get back from this break, I have a ton of questions for you. And I want to look at some things that might help you moving through how you feel so that it doesn't affect how you parent, right? Thank you so much. I love you for that question. I'll see you guys when we get back from this break. Hey, hey, hey. Another business I want to advertise and tell you about is uh, S&T Bangles. All one word. S for super, A-N-D, T for terrific, Bangles, SNT Bangles. It is a local homegrown company uh, by a young woman who is custom making bangles bracelets. I just had her do some for me. If you are into Pandora, if you are into, um, I always mess up the name, Alex and Ani, you will absolutely love SNT Bangles. She puts together these custom-made bangles that are absolutely amazing. I put in an order today, and I said, this is what I want. And in less than a few hours, she sent a picture back to me of what I am going to get. I placed an order for two. The prices are so reasonable. You can get gifts for everyone um, for under $100. And I mean several folks. I'm spending about 30 bucks for two bracelets. I would encourage you to go and hit SNT Bangles up. There is a Facebook page. Just go to facebook.com slash SNT Bangles. Place your order online. You will not be disappointed. And when you place your order, tell them who sent you. Keep them busy. Support local businesses. She ships. She custom makes. She sends pictures. So support your local business. We appreciate you. All right, welcome back. So, super duper heartfelt questions. And the one before we went to break was really, really dynamic and really heartfelt to summarize it. Mom, now single, raising a son, 
she and the boyfriend couldn't work it out. She doesn't want to raise her son in a single parent home. She wanted the ability to raise her son in the same household, in particular with his dad. She wants the son to see and experience that. Dad holding door for her, kissing her, being gentle as a man. She's got support, but it's not good enough based on where she is right now, or at least that's what I hear you saying, Mom. I, I took some notes because there are some things that I wanted to delve into a little bit, and I want to break down the timeline. So get your pen and your paper, Mom, and think about your timeline of when you met dad up to the point of dad walking out and it not working. The first question that I have is what attracted you to your son's dad? What was the attraction, right? Write that down. If you guys are listening out there and you're in a situation that may or may not have worked for you, what was the initial attraction? What qualities does he possess possess that you believed would be great to pass on to your son? What qualities does the dad possess that you believe would be great to pass on to your son? And what kind of agreement did you all make prior to you getting pregnant? What kind of agreement did you all make in terms of sticking it out, staying together no matter what? What system did you all create that at some point the system did not work and how willing were you two to go back and restructure the system so what was the agreement when you got pregnant when you said we're going to get pregnant then what during the time of your pregnancy mom and the end of your romantic relationship you go to the time you were pregnant and the time the relationship ended what was the breakdown what was the breakdown for you what i'm asking you what straw broke the camel's back and the reason why i'm asking these questions because i would like for you to identify the choices that you made that brought you to that point what choices did you make in the very beginning with dad up to the point of having son up to the point of you all agreeing to separate right what is in your power to control in this moment? What choices can you make? What One of the questions that I, I have for you is what system of belief are you currently coming from? When you have a clear vision around how you wanted your son to be exposed to the relationship, what value system what belief system does that come from? What point did that become relaxed? What point did that not work? What I would like for you to explore are the things that you've already done, right? The things that, are, that you've already done that have already happened, but the choices that you made that contributed to those happenings. The next set of questions I'm going to ask you will be, what does the next set of choices for your life look like? What decision can you make in this moment that will allow you 
to see how you're parenting your son a different way? What's another way of looking at your current situation? We don't know what the future is going to hold, but what's another way of looking at your current situation? And based on your current situation, what's the benefit of you continuing to see it the way you see it versus looking at it another way? Let that sink in. Lots of questions, right? You feel like you're being interviewed? Well, you are. (laughs) You are. You are being interviewed. Here's another question for you. When was the last time that you sat down and allowed yourself to explore all of those questions? Right? Another question that I have for you From what system does your decision-making process come from? How do you make decisions? From what system, Ben? What are you talking about system? Is it your intellectual system? Is Is it your emotional system? Is it your financial system? Was dad a great option financially? Was dad a great option emotionally? Was he a great option intellectually? From what system were you making your choices? Once you are able to assess what allowed you to get to this point, because I don't know how old son is, what are the great things about your current situation? What are the great things about your current situation? How do you magnify those great things, mom? How do you magnify those great things? You know, Ultimately, I wanted to say what I wanted to say, but I can't. (laughs) I can't. I don't want to speak anything into your situation. I would ask you this, though. Right? If you could redo this current situation, what would you do differently? If you could redo the current situation, what would you do differently? I am so eager to know what you have to say. What you do differently, because I may never hear from you again, might be exactly where your real values are. I'm leaving it there. I ain't got nothing else to say on that. I want to do... I want to do this one. Let me get to this one. This one is, this is kind of a political, social thing. This one says, why do black people always make everything about race? I'm not a racist and I don't see color. (laughs) All right. Some stuff you just got to sing it out. Let me repeat that. Let me repeat that. Why do black people always make everything about race? I'm not a racist. I don't see color. So what? Got a question for you, right? So I got a question for you. What about that? You say black people always make everything about race. What about that is troubling to you? 
What about that is troubling to you is the first question. The second question, what do you know about the black experience? What is your black history lesson? What do you know about the black experience? What is your black history lesson? Assuming that you are not black, right? What do you know? So when you ask me that question, that that's a personal question, obviously, right? And I appreciate you for asking and being brave enough to ask me that question because you don't know how I'm going to respond. I might, you know, get really militant. My my inner Marcus Garvey might come out and you just don't know. My, you know, Elijah Muhammad might come out. My Malcolm X might come out. My Jimmy Baldwin might come out, right? Black people need a witness. God damn it. Right. However, I will say this to you from my personal experience. Black Americans, African-Americans, brown people, people of nondescript African descent. And others. Are super hyper sensitive to racism you see we have to be there is an observance of how everyone else views us that we are sensitive to not only because it's systemic where schools and houses in the inner city are ignored and rejected and they don't get great education and throw, you know, 500 families and one building structure and let's see what happens. All of the dynamics of that systemic racism. We are sensitive to it because that has been our American experience. Racism has been black people's American experience since we have come to this country, right? And we don't we ain't getting into the definition of what come to this country mean. What dawned on me when I was learning about American history, I'll say 1776, and understanding the plight of the black man in 1776 when the Declaration of Independence was written and how things weren't adding up for me. And it didn't make sense. In 2017, I am telling my 17-year-old son about my personal experiences with racism. And when you say that you don't see color, what I would ask you is, what's wrong if you did see color? What's wrong with that? Why don't you see color? When you look at me, I want you to see my color. I want you to see my nappy ass head. I want you to see that because that is a part of who I am. That is a part of the the African-American experience. I want you to see it. However, does when you see it automatically link you to racism? That's the problem. When you see my color, systemic racism has taught us that when you notice someone's color, that that's a black man or that's a, an, an, a Mexican man or that's a Indian man or woman uh, or Arabic, that systemically we've been taught to see that is racism, but it's not. It's just to be able to identify that person's ethnicity. That's it. 
disconnect the racism from seeing my color. I want you to see my color. That's who I am. When I see white people, when I see, you know, black people and Puerto Rican people, I notice. And I'm like, that's cool. I, I don't notice to discriminate or segregate. I notice because that is who they are. That's a part of who they are. That's a part of their ethnic makeup. We don't want to experience racism just as much as you don't want to feel like a racist. I believe that what you're saying is I'm uncomfortable with racism. Stay there. Be uncomfortable with it. What I would like for all of us to do, instead of questioning racism, why don't we ask the people that we're in relationship with of different races what their experience is like? Very similar to what you ask me, but go different, go deeper, excuse me, go deeper and ask your black friend or have dinner with your black friend's family and have open dialogue conversation. Take it a step further and have dinner with your family and their family. Right. Most of us, we don't have friends outside of our ethnic group, right? Right. And that's, that's a part of the problem because we're not able to go beneath the surface. When you have a black friend that come to your house in tears, shaking, and you say, what the hell is wrong with you? I was just pulled over by a cop. I had no idea if I would make it out alive. When you experience that, when you overhear and you may have, but directly hearing someone else call your black friend or that black family the N-word or a coon or, or any kind of stereotypical racial derogatory term and you're in relationship with that person, what does it feel like? What does that feel like? All of the, the white moms and white dads of biracial children that have an opportunity to sit with all people of their culture and hear them speak about other races. What does that feel like? That then is where we will be able to move beyond some of this racism stuff that we're dealing with. When you say, I don't see color, what I hear you saying is, Ben, I am not racist. I don't discriminate. I don't hate you. I give you permission to see my color. It's not mutually exclusive. I give you permission with, to see my color without hating me. I give you permission to ask me questions. I give you permission to come into my life and get to know me deeper than my blackness. Though, when you get to know me, you will absolutely fall in love with my blackness. <laughs> That's just the way it goes. When we get to know people of other cultures, we fall absolutely in love with their cultures and we want to adopt them, right? And that is where when you're in relationship with the culture, it's no longer appropriation. You're no longer stealing to represent what you think is fashionable or trendy, but you are a part of that. Meaning, just as you will stand in relationship with them you will stand up for your relationship with them 
I appreciate you for asking the question. It's a phenomenal question and one we need to continue to have. So I want to continue to coach you around if you're uncomfortable. What would it look like if you were completely comfortable with the black experience? What would it look like if you saw my color? What would it look like if you explored all of the things that we were taught about one another in our personal private households and our own little communities where we have the freedom to say and express whatever we, we want it to? What would it look like if we started to explore what the other side would feel? I invite us all to do such, such a thing, right? Thank you for the question. We're going to take another break and we'll be back with some more questions. I love you so much for listening. Thank you. Before I leave you, I want to extend some support to a very, very unique business that we don't always consider or think about. Sisters Helping Seniors LLC is a business that you can find on Facebook. If you go to facebook.com slash Sisters Helping Seniors, you'll find this business and it's a unique business that helps uh, adults transition their adult parents uh, into senior living, sometimes hospice. The president and uh, one of the founders, uh, Tanya Williams is also a real estate agent. So not only does she help with the um, transitioning of your parents outside of selling the family home and possibly purchasing senior living or a smaller condo, downsizing, she absolutely is able to help with all of the uh, medically related questions. This is a business that's near and dear uh, to she and her sister's hearts because they were responsible for caring not just for their father, uh, but their grandmother, uh, who both needed to transition from regular living, if you will, into some assisted care uh, or downsizing. It's a very sensitive topic. It's a very sensitive subject. Uh, Tanya and her sisters know how to speak your language if you need someone to help you. I'm not really sure what choices to make with my parents. They're giving me some pushback. I don't know how to get them to talk about selling the house. You know, they're 75, they're 80. They shouldn't be home alone. They're healthy, but we just want a different option, another alternative. Reach out to Tanya Williams. Go hit them up on facebook.com slash sisters helping seniors. You will not be disappointed. They work with you from a very, very, very caring heart space. So if you are in the market to assist your parents in a new way and do it with loving and sensitive hands, those are your people. You won't regret it. Tell them I sent you. All righty, mighty Aphrodite. <laughs> all right, so we are back. Oh, man, I don't think I'm going to be able to get to all of the questions. There's so many great questions here, so many heartfelt questions. Let's let's see if we can do it, right? I want to be able to do at least three more, right? 
for those of you who sent your questions in and I and I answered it them answered it did 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 answered it did 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 them <laughs> thank you there is one that I want to get to this is a I didn't do a business one yet let's do a business one this is a long one let's see if we can get through this first of all I must say I really love your videos and your content it is very entertaining it's practical and spiritual at the same time which I really love and appreciate thank you <laughs> I got someone who appreciates me I got someone who appreciates me okay deflate my head a little bit back to it I wanted to discuss business coaching I have a brand new business and it is small with less than 10 employees but already I see where we're getting off to the wrong start I'm not sure if it's all me but I do know as the owner I have final say and when I delegate a task I expect it to get done I don't know if it's just me because it's my business business, but I am starting to see a lack of passion and stagnant attitude with my team. Hmm. I want to know what do you think I can do to get us not back on board, but on board period, because I don't think we were ever on board or on track. I think my passion excited them in the beginning, but now that the real work is coming in, we need this business to actually survive because it is our livelihood. What I notice is that it's turning into traditional office behavior with passive aggressive behavior and I just want something different for us. If you came into my business, how would you help us? <laughs> now, when I got this question, I have to tell you, I took a lot of notes because this is huge and I put together a small program for you all. <laughs> and if you want to follow it through, then we can follow it through. Now, the very, very, very first question that I have for you, I told you all I have questions for you, right? In the questions, you'll find the answers. <laughs> first question, what made you hire that particular set of individuals? Why'd you hire them? You're the boss. What made you hire them? Second question, what do they bring individually that make up your collective business? What about their contributions can you do without? What about their contributions can't you do without, right? What can you keep? What can you toss out in reference to why you hired them? Start thinking about and exploring group dynamics. How well do you all communicate in a group when you're in a meeting? What does the communication look like? How freely do you all express yourselves? And main thing, highlight this, underline this, everybody. I've had this conversation for, oh my God, it has been a week straight. What are your conflict resolution skills? What are they? On a scale of 1 to 10, how strong are your conflict resolution skills? 1 being non-existent, 10 being absolutely amazing. When you meet with them, think about this, big boss, because you're the big boss. I want you to think about this. When you pull them in the meeting, do you speak first? Or do you wait for them to speak and you speak last? I do have an answer for that, 
but you have to hire me for that. Why I'm asking. <laughs> gotcha. But think about that, boss. When you meet with them, do you speak first or last? Now, the program that I put together specifically for your business, it is called TALK. It's called TALK. It's an acronym. I want to support you all talking it out so that you can work it out, right? So TALK is an acronym and T stands for trust. On a scale of one to 10, how much trust do you have for your team? One, not so much so. 10, I completely trust them, right? What What's the trust look like in your team, right? How true is it that, you know, someone's there to hurt you or not perform well in business, right? Think about that. Trust. Where's the trust? This is a yes, no question. Does the trust exist? Ooh, okay. Number two, the A, awareness. Awareness is awareness that they exist, meaning you know who they are individually. You see them, you hear them, you know what their individual strengths and weaknesses are and not strengths and weaknesses that you've defined, but strengths, strengths and weaknesses that they've defined, not your perception of who they are, but your awareness of who they are based on how they've been able to open up to you. And that goes back to trust, right? That's T and that's A. The next one is listening. L is for listening. <sighs> Talking and yelling and everybody, I have to be right, it's my idea. Great, yeah, yeah. Talking over each other, all of that in meetings, we'll expect it, it happens. But listening, not listening to be right, not listening for someone to be promoted, not listening for the sake of being able to quickly answer, not listening just so that you can pretend you hear them, but that you actually hear them and that you're training yourself to trust who they are because you are aware of who they are. And you are listening to who they are and what they represent in the firm. And then finally, K. K is knowledge. This is where all of the data, all of the analysis begin to make sense. This is where all the work stuff makes sense. All the information about what you do. And it's the knowledge of what the business is and the knowledge of everyone knows what the other person is supposed to do. I am responsible for knowing what you do, boss. You're responsible for knowing what I do, for what Jeff and John do. So we know how each other's job affects the, the, the next person. I'm responsible for knowing that. And I am accountable for doing what I am supposed to do individually to make the collective business, the collective machine run. That's when knowing the job, knowing the business, understanding the bottom line all come into play. Trying to understand the bottom line and the analytics 
of the business itself before you have any trust is is going to blow up in your face, right? That is for you, business. You all need to talk, trust, create awareness, listen, and then know, have the knowledge. And this is something that you need to do over and over and over again. Doing this one time, two times, three times, four times is not going to cut it, right? I am extending myself. (laughs) If you would like for me to come in and talk, this is for your group specifically. Um, But I believe that based on what we discussed in this few minutes, you can make this happen. I believe that as as a business owner, you can make this happen. You can go in and you can talk it out so you all can work it out. And this is the catalyst, the foundation of what will get you all on board and on track. This is an ongoing thing. Continue to listen to this. Hit me up and we can we can outline it deeper and further, right? You're in relationship. Those are less than 10 of you in that office. It's your business. Everybody needs to survive. Remember at the top of the show, I said, when you talk about careers and profession and business, we want to make it all about business, but that emotional and that financial piece will F up the entire game. So that's some teaching stuff. That's some teaching stuff. All right. So I, I talk a lot. <clears throat> so much so that my throat start itching. I'm wondering if we need a break. I don't know if we need a break. I want to do one more question for you right this one i have to do this one because this one i can't let go of um checking for time i think we're okay you guys are hanging out with me right we're good you're hanging out with me um this one was a a tough one this one was another kind of relationship thing so i'm reading i got my notes here i took my notes (sighs) Okay, this one says, Ben, you said that we could ask anything, so I am going to ask. We met a few years ago, and I really liked your style. What? 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 (laughs) You seem to be able to have a conversation with anyone about anything, so I have one for you. I am 99.9% sure my 15-year-old son is gay. And I don't know how to approach that conversation with him. I can get into all the things that he does that makes me think he's gay, but I won't. It's just a strong feeling that me and my wife have. Part of me just wants to confirm it to get it over with. And another part of me just wants it to go away. I have to tell you that me and my wife are in the church We're Baptists, and we do not believe in homosexuality at all. (sighs) Deep breath. But we also don't want to condemn our son or kick him out and have him end up like so many lost young men out there whose family has abandoned them. That just seemed like the wrong thing to do. I didn't tell my wife that I was reaching out to anyone. I'm just trying to figure out how to broach the conversation or if there's anything that I can do to help my son maybe not be gay. 
and he puts in a smiley face <laughs> and says wishful thinking. I know that's probably not going to happen, but just throwing it out there. You said get coached, so here I am. So, Dad, you know, congratulations. I, I got to commend you on, I mean, geez, Dad, I think this is fantastic that you are exploring this the way that you are exploring it and that you sent in the letter. So, one thing I want to say is that you're not alone. <laughs> there are millions of parents out there who are experiencing what you're experiencing. The one thing that I must salute you for is the fact that you are reconciling and making make sense your Christianity and the homosexuality conversation, which is still so taboo. And the fact that, you know, abandoning your son is the wrong thing to do in your words. And the one thing that probably would derail the entire situation. So dad for you, get your pen and your paper, right? There are some things that I want to ask you, right? First thing that you said was that you don't believe in homosexuality at all. Fine. Right? My question is, how much do you believe in your son? How much do you believe in your son, dad? How much do you trust your son, dad? Has he been applying the values and the morals that you and your wife have taught him to his life in totality outside of his sexual preference or your your alleged belief about what his sexual preference is even if his gender preference is different dad he can still apply and adhere to the core fundamental principles that you've taught him can still do it I know often people subconsciously associate gay, gay with hate, right? They don't support it. They don't believe in it. And there's automatically a hate that's associated to it. Especially when we're in the privacy of our own homes, we can do and say and express whatever we want, right? And those hateful thoughts sometimes turn into actions. What I'm asking you is, have you done that? Have you exposed your son to your disdain or let's say your disbelief around homosexuality. Another question I have, how much space have you given in your own home for your son to feel safe enough to express those things that may not look like what you've attempted to show him, right? What does that look like? What kind of a relationship do you and your son share? Another question is, what has your God, what has your God communicated to you about your son directly? Not necessarily what the church or your pastor or your best friend or even your wife has said, dad, but what has God communicated to you? I believe God understands that you cannot control your son. Because God does not control us. We all have free will, right? Isn't that some of our Christian 
teaching and some of our Christian belief. I believe God says with loving kindness, will I draw thee? My question to you is with what are you drawing your son in? Right? So we're assuming there is some allegation on our end that your, your son may be gay. Okay. What if loving and supporting your son doesn't necessarily mean that you accept his homosexuality. What if it means you love your son first and you're willing to help him work through whatever, whatever preference or whatever his sexuality just so happened to be? Because again, we don't know. So the question is, whether it's a yes or no, right? Whether it's a yes or no, what would life look like for him if he had the security of being able to be himself at home without having to go out into the world to have the world validate or not who he is? Because the world isn't always so kind, Dad. The question is, what does home look like? What kind of home have you created? When you and your wife sit down with your son what's the plan what plan do you have in place to support how you all respond to this spiritually emotionally psychologically what plan do you have in place the first thing that you said you will not kick him out you will not abandon him you love your son that's the boundary that you've set Right. I'm saying you said it because that's what you said. That's your boundary. You will not abandon him. Now what? What's next? Right. What does the relationship look like? What can your relationship handle? Ultimately, dad, it's just a question. Right. What are you prepared for? What are you prepared for? I trust you, dad. I trust you. I trust mom. I trust the God of your understanding. I trust your son will do what's right for him ultimately because he has a pretty kick-ass dad, excuse me, dad, because I know you're Christian, a pretty kick-ass dad, though, that would send me uh, this note, whatever you choose to do, I would like to remind you to remember your boundary and remember ultimately the love you have for your son, right? Just as if this is your belief, God the Father, love Christ Jesus. I believe that you love your son. So thank you for sharing that. I know that that was probably difficult to write. We're just about at the top of the hour. So take deep breaths, take Take deep breaths. Take deep breaths. This is a great show. I hope that you were able to get something from it. I thank you for your questions. Some of your questions require us to keep going. We need to meet. Did you know that I meet my clients over dinner or breakfast, over lunch? Do you know that me and my clients have wine and pancakes together and chicken fingers together or we go for walks together or I meet them in their living room, right? All of that, all of that. Or we do Skype, all of that. I love 
what I do. And it is my mission to support your greatness, which I want to leave you with this final question. The final question is, Ben, how does one get to their greatness? And that's not coachable. (laughs) I'm not going to coach you on that. And the reason why is because it's not coach worthy. I'm just going to tell you, one doesn't get to their greatness. One accepts that they are great. Whatever your belief is about greatness, I invite you to accept that you already are great. Your responsibility is to identify how you're going to play out this greatness in your life. That's your responsibility. You are already great. You ask me, there it is. You are already great. You don't get to it. You are it. You don't become it. You are born it. You just have to identify how that becomes an expression in the world. Thank you all so very much. I love you. I love you. I love you. Share the show. I'll see you next time. So what's your whole number? Your whole number might be five. Hers might be 55, right? So we can't get into that because we're not responsible. We're not clear. We're not sure about what her whole number is <laughs> before, you know, sexual freedom turns into hold'em, right? <laughs> so get clear about your definition. Then have a conversation with your girl. She is clearly open to talking about stuff. So this